This is the Affirm America podcast, where we stand up and speak out affirming American excellence. Coming to you deep in the heart of the Midwest, located in an undisclosed log cabin on the outskirts of town, your host, Marquis Vandemark. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Affirm America podcast on this Wednesday, September the 7th, 2022. Looking out the window this morning, we got blue skies. Nice and cool this morning. Fall preview, football season. Gotta love it, living in the greatest country on God's green earth. I'm your host, Marquise Vandermark. Thanks for joining us today on the Affirm America podcast. If you haven't subscribed yet, run over to Affirm America, drop in your email address. These are your top five headlines for this Wednesday. Let's start off with headline number five. Arriva Derchi, Pelosi eyes ambassadorship if Democrats lose the House in the midterms. Town Hall, the California Democrat wants President Biden to tap her as the next U.S. ambassador to Italy. Italy is the only G7 country that doesn't have a U.S. ambassador. One highly placed Italian source told Global Insider, it's simply absurd and self-defeating for Washington to have no one there. Fox News, so far 101 Biden ambassador nominees have been confirmed by the Senate but Biden has been slow to name the ambassadors to several countries, including Italy. About a quarter, 27% of the 194 ambassador positions are currently without a Senate-confirmed official. The ambassador's residence, Villa Taverna, boasts a pool, private gardens, and a three-story wine cellar in Rome. Well, first of all, good riddance to Pelosi. Uh, We hope it's a blowout in the midterm so we can get rid of this evil woman. And uh, she can't help it to get her greedy little grubby hands on uh, posh ambassadorship in Italy that has a wine cellar and a pool and a garden tells you everything about Nancy Pelosi, where her interests lie. Sure, it's a ambassador position, but of course she didn't pick somewhere like uh, Africa or the Congo or something like that that uh, requires a little bit of character development and personality adjustment after padding her pockets as the Speaker of the House for all these years and all the insider deals that she made on stocks. And it continues. Who knows what she'll do in Italy? But uh, regardless of where she goes, as long as she's not in the House anymore, good good riddance and arrivederci, Nancy Pelosi. All right, headline number four. Portland sues Louis Vuitton for not paying 2020 taxes when rioters caused $800,000 in damage and theft. We all know the reason. From the National Review, according to a complaint filed on August 26th in Multnomah County Circuit Court, Louis Vuitton owes the city of Portland $23,825 in business taxes, penalties, and interest for 2020. The company also owes the county $18,443. Combined, the company is $42,268 behind in city and county business tax payments for 2020, according to the lawsuit. 
The lawsuit obtained by National Review does not indicate exactly why Louis Vuitton has refused to pay its taxes, and the company has not addressed questions from the media. The store's manager estimated that the rioters caused over $500,000 in damage and stole more than $300,000 worth of items, according to a report in the Oregonian, which first reported on the lawsuit. Reporter Ryan Mills in Portland, luxury retailer Louis Vuitton hasn't paid $42,000 in city and county taxes for 2020. The year rioters caused $500,000 in damages to their store and stole $300,000 worth of product. The city is now suing. So the uh, city of Portland's got the guts to try to squeeze out taxes when they were derelict in their duty to protect the businesses during the riots, the summer riots of 2020, that caused huge amounts of losses, over close to a million dollars in losses, and the city is complaining about $42,000 in taxes. You'd think there would be some kind of forgiveness or some kind of credit for those taxes based on their failure to protect the businesses in their city. This is what you get, folks, when you have a democratically run city and a crazy mayor that you got up there in Portland that is out of touch with reality. Portland was the epicenter of corruption and complete chaos during the Black Lives Matter riots that sparked all across the country. And these were all Democratic cities that just sat around and let it all happen. So kudos to Louis Vuitton. I hope they I hope they win the case. I hope they fight it all the way to the end, if that is in fact their motive. But it sure seems like that's their reason for not paying is because the city failed to protect their business. All right, headline number three. Mayor Lightfoot asks for help after Governor Abbott buses 125 illegals to Chicago. From the Associated Press, Chicago officials have asked the public for volunteers and donations to help immigrants being bused to the city from Texas amid the Republican-led state's political battle over the immigration policies of President Joe Biden's administration. A busload of about 50 immigrants arrived Sunday in Chicago days after the arrival of the first busload of about 75. Abbott is busing migrants who are in the country illegally from Texas to U.S. cities with Democratic mayors as part of a strategy to share the influx of people who cross into his border state. News Nation reporter Ali Bradley I talked with Hector, who prayed as soon as he got off the bus. He said he felt respected and provided for on the bus, contrary to a lot of claims. So this is great strategy, I think, by Governor Abbott sending these uh, immigrants to these Democratic cities while they complain and whine and ask for help and volunteers when their policies are the ones that are creating the problems and the Democrats are just sitting back and letting it happen. They, they're they paying the price, and that's what you get. And it's also interesting that the immigrants that are on the buses are being treated better than probably U.S. citizens are in the U.S. when it comes to government agencies. It looks like it's just an open borders policy for the Democrats, and it's going to continue until the midterms or until the Biden administration is removed from office I hope everybody that can hear my voice will remember this on Election Day, November 8th of this year, who they vote for. Nobody should ever vote for a Democrat ever again. 
You can see how they've destroyed our country, our economy, the inflation, high energy costs, open borders. We have fentanyl coming into the, the southern border, killing our people. And not one person has gone down from the Biden administration, especially the czar, Kamala Harris, hasn't even visited the border. So it tells you everything you need to know. And it's a complete tragedy, a complete disaster. There's child trafficking, sex trafficking going on. And that's what you get. So remember that when it comes time to go to the ballot and let's vote these rascals out. All right, headline number two, schools still out. Seattle teachers strike may delay school start for 54,000 children. From the National Review, the start of school year for students at Seattle Public Schools may come later than expected after teachers union members overwhelmingly voted to authorize a strike on Tuesday. 95% of union members approved a strike authorization according to the Seattle Education Association. 75% of its 6,000 members voted, the union said. The strike authorization comes after months of failed negotiations between Seattle Public Schools and the teachers union which is demanding higher pay and that the district maintains certain staffing ratios for special education and multilingual students. From the Washington Examiner, the strike will begin Wednesday morning, the scheduled first day of school, unless the school district and the union reach a collective bargaining agreement prior to then. If an agreement is not reached, classes for the district's nearly 54,000 students will not begin as planned. Well, what can I say? It is the state of Washington. Seems that the, uh, the unions and the teachers seem to have more of their, their own interests, concerns than they do the students, especially after the lockdowns and, and the COVID situation. You would think that they would be a little bit more less concerned about themselves, a little bit more concerned about the fact that people have been delayed in their learning because they've been either masked up or they, their test scores have gone down considerably as a result of the COVID virus and everything that's happened over these last few years. But no, it's uh, all about them. We saw what happened in Los Angeles. They were dragging their feet, didn't want to go back. Sure, it's important that they get good wages. That's, you know, there's nothing wrong with that, but you would think that they'd be able to come to some agreement realizing the, the gravity of the situation and what we just went through. But again, it's uh, the state of Washington, which is uh, tends to lean uh, very liberal, very leftist. And uh, when you have Democrats in power, and the unions, it's really all about maintaining power, maintaining their, their roles, uh, mostly for themselves, but that's a pretty broad brush, but you kind of get what I'm talking about. All right, headline number one, trans health organization expected to lower the minimum age for gender reassignment surgeries. Fox News, the World Professional Association for Transgender Health, WPATH, has yet to release its much-anticipated standards of care version 8, which will lower its age recommendations for breast removal to 15 years old and genital surgery, including womb and testicle removal, to 17 years old, a year earlier than its previous guidance. The Associated Press reported in June, citing an unreleased draft of the new guidance with September 16th quickly approaching. Children's hospitals across the country that currently follow WPATH's guidance will soon be met with a decision whether to update their own policies to reflect WPATH's lowered age recommendations. 
Okay, so first of all, this uh, the whole idea of uh, gender transition surgery is completely absurd. The fact that they're doing it on minors now, so the very typical approach that the leftists take, it's incremental. They start off at one level, and then as they gain more and more acceptance, then they increase their numbers, they lower them, they try to push the barriers a little bit further. That's what we saw as soon as they opened up gay marriage. Then it became LGBTQ+. They started adding numbers, and now we're into transgender issues. That's now front and center, and then you get into the drag queen library reading sessions for kindergartners and the pornography going on there. So this is how the left rolls. This is how they operate. You give them an inch, and they take a mile. It's a serious problem. A lot of these folks, if you just let these young people to grow out of their dysphoria, their gender dysphoria, which a lot of it is by peer pressure in their schools and low self-esteem, and they're developing their character, their personalities, and that takes time to develop and uh, for them to act on these at a very young age. We have many reports of young people regretting that they did the surgical procedures, and they have a lifelong illness when they are stuck on prescription drugs and hormone therapies for the rest of their lives, and it's just a very tragic situation, and that's what you get with these radical sex change ideas and ideology. All right, those are your top five headlines for this Wednesday, September the 7th, 2022. Thanks for joining us again on the Affirm America podcast. I'm your host, Marquise Vandemark, and we will see you tomorrow. Have a wonderful day. God bless you. See you then. This is the Affirm America podcast with your host, Marquis Vandemark. And let's never forget, America is great and we affirm it.